Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, praise the Lord. Okay, today we're going to go to the book of Hebrews, familiar text in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures there, and then we're going to go to the book of James. And then we'll see what we can garner here. All right, Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 1. We'll read 1 through 6 there. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith is it impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Go down to verse 17. We'll read 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now let's go down to verse 31, and we're going to read to the end of that chapter. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Japheth, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these, all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. All right, last place I want to go is the book of James. And I want to go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 14 through the end of that chapter, verse 26. So James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, them, Depart in peace, be not warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he was, had offered Isaac upon his, his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wroth with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into truth, called the spirit of truth. We pray and ask today, enlighten your word, lead us and guide us that we might go deeper into the word of God and walk by faith 
according to all that your spirit commands us to do. We ask it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, last week we did a message that was called Cultivating Friendship. And in that message, we kind of talked about uh, what, when the world talks about having a friend and all the kind of things that you see out there about how you keep a friend and how you get a friend and all that. And although it may not have been the best of analogies, because you have to be careful, because we're not God, you know, and, you know, so we have to make compromises in things we're doing at times, and we have to yield, because no one should have to do everything we want in order to be our friend, because in that case, you're going to end up friendless uh, for the most part, you know, because we all have, you know, different things about ourselves that may not necessarily be good or bad or whatever the case might be, but other people don't necessarily agree with those things, and as long as they're within the rails, I call it, of Christianity, well, then there's nothing that necessarily is wrong with it. It just may be someone you don't want to have as a friend. But you would have no friends if everybody had to be exactly like you are, right? But we have to understand, you can't say that about God. God, the Bible makes it clear, God is who he is, and he will accept our friendship even though we are not perfect like he is. But he does not accept the friendship of the world. In other words, Folks doing it the way they want, living like they want, disobeying the word and not even trying. God's like not interested in being friends. Matter of fact, he says, if we're friends with the world, not the people, let's be careful what we're talking about, even though that may give some indication as to how you feel about the world. If all your friends are worldly and you can hang out with them and none of it don't bother you, then you really got to wonder about whether or not the spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you. But the point being that what? We can have friends who are in the world or worldly with the understanding that God says that being a friend of the world, the world system, how it works, what it does, how it manages things, to think that's a good way to live and a good way to do things makes us the enemy, the Bible says, of God. And so we talked a lot about that to understand that if we really want God's, uh, the greatest relationship we can have with God, it's going to be important that we become God's friend and not just a servant out here, somebody who uh, calls on the name of God, but then treats him many times if we're not careful like he's a genie or somebody we come to when we need stuff. You know, uh, we can handle the rest of it, but when problems really strike, that's when we're praying or that's when we're seeking God when we're, we haven't been doing it. Or we don't seek God uh, in, at times like we do other things. There are other things that we put great effort into, and we make sure that we're ready for that. But God doesn't get that kind of benefit. All right, you know, I said that about going to work. You know, people are up and they're there and they're doing what they got to do, you know, because they know that these people have an expectation that you want to get paid, their expectations. So we said the same thing when it comes to dealing with God. You know, we want to be as just as vigilant as we are about things of the world. We want to be as vigilant about those things with God. So the idea is that the Holy Spirit sees it, we say. He recognizes it. And we said this is why I've said on occasions, uh, whenever we talk about accountability, that I continue to say to you, although human accountability is okay, it's, it's really a false level of accountability. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he goes everywhere. There's nowhere we can escape, the Bible says, the Spirit of God. So I could fake you guys out maybe, you know, and you don't know what I'm up to, but God knows what I'm up to. And the bottom line is that if I'm up to something that's not of God, then God is aware of that, and he is not going to favor my life to the extent that I'm doing that. And I just have to know it. That's why the uh, devotional that Sister Miranda chose this morning is on point about everything when it comes to that, you know, it, it, that scripture that says the buyer, you know, says uh, basically he's saying when he's talking that this is a bad deal. That's how he talks to the person when they're negotiating. I'm not getting everything out of this. I'm not getting. And when the deal is sealed, they walk away bragging. You know, man, I got that guy's car for nothing almost. I don't know. You know, when they're talking to their friends about the deal, they explain how they feel good about the fact that they more or less got over on the person, even though the whole time they're negotiating, it's like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive with this. I'm going to need more. I got this. I got that. And so that, through that negotiation process, God says, I'm, I'm watching. He says, but what people tend to do is they do that while they're negotiating. And when they walk away, they are bragging. Why? Because they feel good about what they're walking away from until they maybe find out later, nah, 
you got got too, you know, or something like that. You find out that the gold you thought you bought was really silver painted over. And then you, you're upset now, you know, man, I can't believe they did that. Well, you know, you thought you was getting gold cheap. Well, you got cheap gold, right? And the idea is that God is like, look, I'm just not like that. God's like, look, if you talking to me, you getting me. Then God don't have no cover. He ain't playing. He ain't trying to manipulate us. Whatever God says, he means it. So if God says, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God's not saying draw near to him because he need us to draw near to him. And we have to keep trying to assert this in the hour we're living in. This hour where everyone believes that, you know, um, uh, they have a right to be happy and they have a right to this and a right to that and a right to all this stuff. When really God makes it clear that the only rights humans have is ultimately the judgment that they're under. And nobody has to believe it. I mean, the Bible says, you know, people failing to believe it. It's like me standing up here now. I have an individual I know. I won't call her name because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. They may not be embarrassed if I said it, but they still believe to this day. They tell you the earth is flat and they don't care what y'all saying. Now, they just don't care what you say. It's flat. Okay, great, whatever. In my mind, the Bible even says in one place, God sits on the circle of the earth. I didn't need no rocket ship to go out there and tell me the earth is round. I, you know, but if a person chooses not to believe it's round, I can't do anything about that. But that's like me sitting here saying, somebody says, well, I don't believe God is real no matter what. Well, the Bible says in one place, God cannot deny himself. I, you know, our faith does not change God. Our faith brings us to God. It doesn't change it. So if God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, and we say, well, nope, I'm not going to draw near to you, God, unless. Unless what? I mean, you know, so today, the title of my message is Friend of God. My thesis that I want to get at is this, and that is that by acting on God's word, Abraham exercised his faith in God and was called the friend of God. Now, you see, in, in the scripture, it's capitalized friend. Abraham wasn't called a friend of God. Like God had a bunch of friends running around. Abraham was called the friend of God. Now, I want y'all to pay attention to something. You may not be listening to this in the local news and, and watching what's been happening. All right, in 1948, you know, the United Nations and a bunch of other nations, Britain and all, returned to um, establish the state of Israel in uh, Palestine, right? And People have continued to suggest that, you know, the government stole Palestinian land and gave it to the Jews and all this stuff that they're saying. I saw it on the thing the other day where now that the United States is still talking about building their new um, embassy in Jerusalem, that you're basically building on stolen Palestinian land. And they're saying this because, you know, of course, in 1948, whoever was there, they were expelled and they set this homeland for the Jews, a place for them to go after the Holocaust and all this stuff, give them a homeland, et cetera, right? So people say what they're saying. Now, what I find interesting about that line of thought and thinking is that, please, let's stop for a minute. It is historical fact, even though everyone now says Jesus didn't exist, so let's pretend he didn't. Can we do that? We'll pretend Jesus didn't exist. He ain't come. It's a historical fact that the second temple of the Jews and the entire land of Israel, including Jerusalem, was in the hands of the Jews. And the Jews were under dominion, if you will, of the Romans. But it was a Jewish city. All the land, the Jews were on it. Irrespective of how they got it, they got it in warfare. The Bible tells us in warfare, they went in and they took the land. God told Joshua and them, go in there, take the land. They took it way back then. They were on it. The Romans came in in 70 AD, destroyed the temple, and expelled all the Jews throughout the countryside. When you go to places in Rome, they've got actual monuments showing Titus coming back marching in with the menorahs and all this stuff and Jews in chains behind him. Now, we want to talk about who stole anything from anybody. Let's go back there. Can we start there? Can we say the Romans went in, destroyed these people's land because they made up their minds, but God was the one. God had already said it. Jesus had said it 30 years before that. Jesus, before he was crucified, said, look, y'all going to get a little while to acknowledge that the kingdom of God has come to you. John the Baptist, 
came out of the wilderness in the spirit of Elisha, declaring, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I am coming before him, like it says in Malachi. And the Bible says the one that you all are waiting for is going to show up suddenly. But who's going to be able to stand before him? He's going to be like a full of soap. Sure enough, John said, I am a messenger. I am a voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way, get ready. And then all of a sudden, he saw Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Son of God is here. And just like in the book of Isaiah, he took our infirmities. He, he bore our sicknesses. Jesus was healing and doing stuff. But the Bible says that just like God said, they would murder his son, and they did. And once he was murdered, God gave him three days, like he said in the Psalms, I will not allow my Holy One to see corruption. And on the third day, he rose, raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heaven, where he is today, waiting to return. The Jews then, Jesus told them, when he came out of the temple, he said, they were going, oh, master, look at this temple, look at all the, 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 the decoration and everything. And Jesus said, you see all this? Now one stone is going to be left upon another. Every one of them is going to be torn down. And they were like, when is that going to happen? Jesus said, this generation will see it. So what ends up happening? They crucified Jesus. And 40 years later, about 40 generations, everybody should have probably been close to still being alive. That entire city was destroyed. For 40 years, the Jewish community persecuted the church. The initial Jewish, see, people talk about Jews. They're not about Jews. All the church was Jewish. There were Gentiles that were allowed in, but the reality is they were all Jews. Every one of the apostles, they were Jews. Saul of Tarsus, who wrote all this book, was a Jew. Every bit of this book was written by Jews, other than maybe Luke, who we're not so sure, and uh, uh, the Acts, because Luke wrote it. Other than that, they're all Jewish books, every single book. The church was a church full of Jews. Jesus is Jewish. It was Jews. And for 40 years, and God said in Isaiah, he says, although I will speak to you in tongues of other languages, you still will not believe me. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, when that day had fully come, in the upper room, they were up there, and like a, here came a, it's a rush, a sound like a rush of a mighty wind. And all of a sudden, cloven tongues of fire sat on these people's head, and they began to speak in other tongues, not gibberish. Not, you know, I've been Honda, give me a Honda, I want to go to Conda. None of that. No, languages, other languages, because the scripture says people were hearing in their voice, their language, the mighty works of God. Well, Isaiah has said, God said, I, and even if I talk to y'all with tongues of other men, uh, your, your Jews who don't even know your language speak the word to you, you still won't believe it. And sure enough, they didn't. They stood up and said, what is wrong with these people? They've been drinking. And Peter said, these men are not drunk. It's just 9 o'clock. Well, you know, today for some people, you know, 9 o'clock, <laughs> they might be. But the point he was saying, no, it's just 9 o'clock. They're not drinking. He said, this is that which Joel said. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your young men will dream and all this stuff. And he says, your old men will dream and young men will have visions and all this stuff. And, he, and your daughters and sons will prophesy and all this. And all this was going on. The Bible then tells us it moved from Jesus to the apostles. And Jesus started fulfilling the covenant. The kingdom is here. The Bible says that Peter had such power that when he walked by, his shadow was healing people. They would drag him into the street just so the shadow could fall on him. And so... God fulfilled what he said, yet they didn't believe him. Paul turned and said, we go to the Gentiles because you all refuse. Bottom line is that believing God is okay, but you got to exercise your faith in God by acting on his word. You see, the Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. So today, I tell people, I don't understand. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's like, you know, I got these new glasses. And the doctor told me, he says, you know, I'm trying to make sure you can see as good as your eyes want you to. So he was doing that little thing, click. Is that good or that better? Good, better, that better. Good, better? I said, yep. He says, man, are you always, can you continue to amaze me, he said. Your focus. And I was just like, oh, yeah, well, I'm focused anyway. But I didn't tell my eyes. 
He said, but you're focused because your eyes are trying to see even smaller stuff. I was reading the, the copyright on the chart. He's like, what's the smallest thing you can read? And I read that. He said, you can see that? Yeah. He says, wow. So when I put these on, now if I take these, I can't see a thing. I'm serious. I can look at this Bible right here, and if I don't go like this, I can't read that Bible. God, this is how God said about the Jewish people, this is how they were, but this is how the world is right now. So I understand sometimes this is maybe what's happening with me. I got it on and I see it, but I'm thinking, okay, why wouldn't people clearly understand to stand up right now and say Palestine was stolen from the Jews? I mean, from the uh, Palestinians. Jews stole it. Well, first of all, the Jews didn't take it. The world system at that time said, we need a place for them. Let's go back to Palestine. So that's what we're going to do. And they dispersed the people that were there. Might have been sad, but the world did that. The Jews didn't go in there and kick people out. And they were settled onto the land. Even the additional land they got came about through a war that only took six days. The Arabs surrounded the Jews and thought they had them. And the Jews came out of nowhere and nobody knew what happened. The next thing you know, they took more land. Because God ain't going to play with us. We can keep playing. We keep talking about this all we want. God in the Bible don't have no in here where he's talking about he giving back anything to anybody. God said in the end he's going to gather his people in, which is what he's doing. And eventually there's, there's going to come a war where the whole world is going to be against these people. You can see it coming. I mean, right now it's all kind of amping up again. You know, everybody talking about, you know, the Jewish people, this Jewish, that, Jewish, that. But they still right now, they kind of got a little advantage, you know, because everybody's like, that's messed up. Chappelle said something, they're trying to cancel him. This one said something, they're trying to cancel him. And they're blaming it on the Jews, right? You know, they're saying, the Jews, Jews, Jews. Once people ever get that good, we'll be back on that thing again. And that track will begin to run again, and that ought to be the sign that ought to be really making everybody go, why is it like this? Why them? Why are we always talking about that? Why are we fighting over Jerusalem? Why are people saying that was stolen and refuse to go back to something we know is a fact it was stolen? The whole temple was destroyed. Today, the Islamic people have the Dome of the Rock sitting on top of that mount. And they claim it's their holy place. Well, they didn't get it before the Jews. The Jews had it first. They got it later. So why can't we just tear it down? Because everybody already know. You're going to have a real wall on your hands. You go up there messing with that. So everybody trying to say, why can't we just build a couple of places up here? You know, we'll build one for the Muslims, one for the Jews, and we can have one over there for anybody that want to hang out. Because that's not the way it's going to go. But what ought to help people understand this is happening is, like I said, 70 AD, it belonged to them. Even if we were to say there was no Jesus, let's say Jesus never came, we'll pretend he didn't come. No one disputes the fact that the Jews were the rightful point of Israel at that time. So anything after that, if you're going to call it suspect because the government legitimately did it, then it surely is suspect if the Roman government forcibly by war expel them from that place. Why wouldn't they just get it off? But no one seems to see it. What I see is the gospel train on the move, and people need to hear. The Bible says that Abraham was called the friend of God, not a friend, not a friend. I mean, this is a status, you know, and, and I talked last week about cultivating friendship. It'd be great to be a friend of God. I would just like to be a friend. <clears throat> but today we want to talk about the friend. The Bible tells us, and we see it in Hebrews, that because there was this big debate going on with people, and you see it today. Can, you don't need um, to do anything. Jesus saves you, and because he saved you, you don't want to be a legalism group of people, and you want to be working and all that to get your salvation. You know, you got to believe Jesus. And there's nothing else you need to add to that to get into heaven. Well, that's, addition ain't the issue. The issue is exercising faith. James had to come back and try to make it clear to everybody. You say you got faith. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, he says, look, you ain't going to have to add. I ain't, I ain't talking faith. I'm doing faith because I believe God, he says. The Bible says Abraham believed God. So in other words, Abraham came, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, and you can see what's happening. God is playing out what he's going to do. Abraham's wife was barren. God told him, you're going to have a son. He and his wife couldn't wait. 
So his wife basically gave to Abraham her handmaid. Abraham went in. She had a kid. And eventually, that kid, when Sarah had the baby God promised, that older kid was mocking the younger one. And Sarah said, get him and her out of here. Kick him out. And the Bible says that Abraham was grieved because he didn't want to kick his son out. But had he followed God in the first place, he wouldn't have been in that mess. But the Bible teaches us that it was showing us that this is what happens when you take things into your flesh and try to do them. God gives you a promise, and you start trying to make it happen yourself. You come up with all kind of fleshly solutions that don't work, and they end up haunting your life. Whereas when the promise came, God went on and said, hearken to your wife, put her out, I'm going to make him a nation. And later on, Hagar was found under the tree with the kid about to die. And the angel shows up and he basically says, you're going to be blessed. God's going to take care of you and everything and no problem. But God was like, we're not mixing flesh and spirit. It ain't happening. But Abraham, even in having done that, God still calls him the friend of God. Abraham believed God. See, see the thing is that he might not have knew how God was going to do it, but he believed God. See, see, there's a difference between, you know, not believing God at all, saying I believe him, and saying I believe him, but trying to help him. The two different things, really. And that's what Abraham did. Abraham believed God, then he went to try to help him. Sarah came up with a great idea. This must be the way to do it. I'm going to give her to you. And since she's my handmaiden, it's really like my baby. She's like a surrogate because she was a slave, basically. And so once she has the baby, the baby's our baby because the slave born in your house was yours, right? So it's our baby. But God wasn't talking about that. God said, Sarah will have a baby. So Abraham's like, well, maybe, I guess they like probably, maybe what God means is we're going to, you will. So we're going to make it happen. And they did, and God was like, mm-mm, that was not what I was talking about. But he believed God. See, if he didn't believe in me to say, Sarah, you crazy. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, let's just don't, you don't have to give me nothing. I'll give you my handmaiden. For what? For the baby, God said. He'd be like, ain't nobody worrying about no baby. We don't need no baby. That's demonstrating his disbelief in God. Well, we either don't need a baby or I don't think this is going to work. But in the Bible don't say that's what happened. He took her, went in there, and here come a baby. Woo-woo, we got our baby, they think, until the real baby, we say, show up, the one God promised. Now, all of a sudden, you got two women in the house, two babies. Well, one's a, a little bit older and the other one's younger. One the promise and one ain't. And eventually, one starts tormenting the other one. And you know what's about to happen. Well, had Abraham, but God allowed this so he could help us to understand. Please, y'all, God makes lots of promises to us. Stop trying to help him. Believe God. Just believe him. Believe him. Believe him and do what the Bible says when you believe him. If you believe God and you act on what God says, God will fulfill his word to you. This is how we become God's friend. Believing God means to act on it, exercise faith in what God said without trying to add your extra salt on top. God may need a little bit of help. I'm going to help him out. Don't do that. Understand, Abraham, in trying to help him, got outside of God, although God still called him his friend. The Bible tells us, and this is why in Hebrews we started there, it, it tries to help us understand faith. He references a lot of people in there, but James mentions two that we talked about, Abraham and Rahab, he talks about. Now, Rahab wasn't even in the camp of the Israelites. Rahab would have been considered a worldly individual, sure. Matter of fact, she's referred to, when you look in the scriptures, you know, probably some of these new Bibles they write and they going to call it it. But <laughs> Bible calls her a harlot. Not a professional sex worker by faith, the professional sex worker Rahab. No, she's a harlot. Why does it say that? Because God's trying to make you understand. It didn't even matter that she had that lifestyle. 
What mattered was the fact that when she heard the spies say that God was going to destroy them, she believed it. And she took it upon herself to hide them with the understanding that if they'd have caught her with them, she'd have lost her life. But she saw something on the Israelites and the fear that was on everybody else that made her say, I'm going to hide these fellas. And then what she said to them is, when you all come to destroy this place, please spare me and my family. That's faith talk. Because right now, she hiding the spies. If I got to hide, if you're so bad, why am I hiding y'all? Just stand up and do something. No, because that ain't the way God was going to do it. But she knew God was going to do something. She sensed it, she heard it, and therefore what? They had heard what had been happening throughout the land, that the Israelites were marching and that they were taking over place after place. And she's like, I know y'all going to do it. So all I can say is this, when y'all come in here, spare me. And the guys turned around and said, no problem, just this is what we need you to do. Take a nice little red scarlet thread and tie it on your house window. So when we come through, we know it's your house and keep everybody inside until we're done. Just like in Egypt, when God went through there and said, I'm going to kill the firstborn, he said, put the blood on your door and stay inside. God is always moving on faith. And so here we have this lady who has a lifestyle that we could say, Woo, wow. But she's mentioned again that that lifestyle, not only there, but even James, when he's talking about it, he says, likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot. See, why y'all got to keep bringing that up there? See, James could have just said Rahab and left it at that. No, he was trying to make y'all understand. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. She believed God, and God wasn't looking at her lifestyle at the moment. God was looking at her faith that had been placed in him and what he said he would do. So we move away with the understanding that God somehow is, is, is trying to dictate to me what is all happening in my life at this moment, more so than the fact that he has a word that he's spoken, and what am I going to do with that word? If I come to God, the Bible says we come to God, we believe that he is. In Hebrews, he begins to kind of explain it. We looked at verse 1 through 6, and we see in verse 6 it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But some people get this confused with the idea that they don't have to do nothing. This is why I said last week when I said we throw up a prayer to God, let's say maybe. Or we, we tired, you know, so, you know, well, God, I'm going to just, you know, I've been working all day. And then you offer him this prayer before you fall off to sleep in your bed. And although I'm, I, you know, I get it, you know, we, well, I guess everybody's been there, but you can't live that. You can't believe, you can't tell me a God who tells you to pray without ceasing, a God that tells you you need to ask him even though he knows what you need before you ask. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find. That you ain't got to seek, you ain't got to knock, and you ain't got to ask. That's some kind of way it's just going to work for you. You believe that? That's why it don't work. And some people will say, oh, Pastor, you don't know my life is great, but it ain't as good as it could be. I'll tell you that. Not if you ain't knocking, seeking, and asking, and you're working harder than you need to. You know, oh, I'm just telling you what I know. You're working harder than you need to, and you're not getting the best that you could even get. There's no way, because God then would be a liar. People say, but I got good stuff, right? But it could be better stuff, probably. Or maybe it'd be no stuff at all. You say, well, I'm, I'm fine with my stuff. Okay, good. Well, then forget stuff. What about your mind? Dude, can you really look in the mirror and say, I am absolutely 100% satisfied with where I am in life and who I am? Don't lie to me. You can always look at me and tell me that. Well, who you can't tell is the one you're looking at in the mirror. Can you look in the mirror and honestly say, I'm 100,000% satisfied with who I am, where I am, and what I've achieved in life, and I feel great about everything that's going on. And if you can do that, congratulations. You're in a good place. If not, then I would suggest that there's something that you might want to check out. People might say, well, you never know. Maybe God just ain't interested in doing that. That ain't what he said. 
God said he would fulfill our desires. Maybe we need to change some of them. I don't know. But all I know is that if he was willing to fulfill my desires so that I can do what? The Bible says that if I'll put my mind on him and keep it stayed on him, the Bible says he will give me perfect peace that passes all understanding. And that's what I would get. So that all of a sudden now I know that God's going to perform that which he said. This is why Abraham believed God. The Bible said Abraham left where he was and went out to a place he didn't even know where he was going. Why? Because he believed God. God told him leave, and he left. We want to be able to say it's just like your children. You want to be able to know that your children, the Bible says in one place, train up a child in the way they should go when they're young, they won't depart. You don't want to be in a situation where you're sitting around hoping that your children turn out all right, hoping that this don't happen, hoping that don't happen. You want assurance. You need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You don't need me. You need Jesus, and you need the Father as the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when it's over, he got everything under control. In the news the other day, they're talking about stabbings at Baker High. You know, come on, man. You go to high school, and people get stabbed up, and, 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 and you know, just people getting shot on the way to school. Walk, just walk in the street and get shot. You know, I mean, we got to understand this. We got to stop believing that this is all just, well, it's random. You never know. Well, I told y'all, we need to duck then. You should never let your kids even stand on the corner to catch a bus then if that's what you believe. You, I, you are irresponsible right now. That's the way I would feel. If you tell me you believe that we just sitting ducks and you let your child sit as a duck, you'd get up and you would take them to school. And now you might need to escort them up to the classroom sometime the way these people are acting. You got coaches that can't tell the kids what to do. You got all kind of stuff going on. And the reality is it's at the same school. I ain't going to get into too much, but I was talking to I might have mentioned to y'all that, but the same one I mentioned about the, the uh, stuff going on in the band room. They're up there having uh, uh, relations, I'll use the word, as they say, relations in the band room. And the coach had to try to kick the cheering out the band room, having relations. And almost got himself in trouble for kicking the, the cheering out the band room for having relations, right? Really? That's what we're doing? So we got to be able to believe God that, you know, because everybody can't send their kids to private school. We just can't. Some people can, but everyone can't. So if you can't, what do you do? You're just going to throw them up there and say, well, it is what it is. Que sera, sera. I hope you come back all right. I'm not going to use the word I would. Heck no, you say. That ain't the way we're doing this. We're going to get on our knees, and we're going to believe God. We're going to pray with our children. We're going to pray for our children. We're going to teach our children how to pray so that we understand we're in constant connection with the one who will keep us safe. Jesus is the one who said, pray to Father that what? We'll be delivered from evil. Because if we just own one of these TikTok clocks, I suggest you bring them home and train them. Do some homeschooling because these people have gone crazy. The spirits are just loosed. You hear some of the things they're saying, some of the things they're doing, the way they disrespect authority. All of this has created a whirlwind of peril now for our kids. And we have to realize, though, that we serve a real God, though, who is awesome enough that he can keep us and them if we're willing to just believe him. See, he, he, they exercise faith. They acted on God's word. So what you're saying, Pastor, what I'm saying is, like James said, you can't say, I believe God, but I don't what? Do what God says if I want God to be my friend, because without faith, it's impossible to please him, but faith has to be demonstrated. I got to do something. I got to act on it. So when I say, God, I believe that you are capable of keeping me, then I need to be asking you to do that. I, I need to, I don't walk in fear. I don't go places walking in fear. I, I walk in wisdom. But you know, you can't always get gas in the daytime. Y'all know that, right? Sometimes you forgot. That ever happened to you? Try to get home, talking about, you know, you don't want to stop at night. You're going to be in the worst place out there on the side of the road. They had kids the other day stopping people, pretending to be the police and robbing people. 
Can you imagine that? You just pull over to the side, they walk up, give me your money. What is this? It's a society gone berserk, but you got to live in it. So we, we stop. I stopped this morning, I had to get some gas, get him pump my gas, and I walk around like this. Yes, I'm here, and I, come on over here, please. I need some gas. I'm almost here. I got to get my gas now. Let me get it. But I'm not being foolish. But I'm not about to let the devil make me try to ride down the rest of the airline highway <laughs> on fumes because I'm scared to stop. I'll wait till it's light. No, you got to stop, sir. But we got to have confidence in our God that he's watching over us, not doing crazy things, but living above board with God because he's our friend. The devil is an intimidator. The devil is just like these kids in school, the ones that bully your kids. Give me your lunch money. Give me this. If you don't that, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. I'm a this. I'm a that. We had them when I was growing up. They're not new. They're just a little more frightening because the authorities are unwilling to stand up to it. When I was in school, you did, they did that, but if they got caught, they got in trouble. Not only did the school get them, their parents got them. Everybody got them. I still remember, and the only reason I remember his name because of how bad his daddy whipped him, Samuel Akpan. If you're out there anywhere, Samuel, I still feel your pain. We were in fifth grade, and I still remember it. We were playing around, and everybody was messing around. It was little girls with chasing Samuel because, you know, he, he was an African, and he spoke, you know, like African. You know, he had an accent and everything, and he would speak, hey, you little girls, and stuff like that. And they all loved that. They were chasing Samuel all around the classroom. And Samuel was running from one of them, and he pushed the door, and the door slammed on a little girl's hand. So it wasn't really his fault. But it kind of was, but it was everybody's fault. We all was in there playing, everybody running. And I remember Samuel's father coming to school. And he stood Samuel up in front of all of us. You all think it's funny? And I'm not trying to be funny, but that's how he did it. You all think it's funny? I do not send my son here to play. I send him to learn. Turn around. And he began to wail on Samuel. And Samuel couldn't. He wouldn't even let him holler. I felt so sorry for Samuel. I said, like, oh, my God, I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> but I tell you what, <laughs> Samuel sat down after that, and all them little girls left Samuel alone because they realized, wow. It was, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, and Samuel just, but Samuel had to take it. He had to take it because he had gone to school and he acted outside. So he got in trouble at school. Then his daddy brought him back to the school. See, that's where I grew up in. So, you know, today, though, that's not what we're doing. You'll be lucky mama don't come and jump on y'all, too. The kid didn't jump on your kid. You trying to just ask him a question. The mama come jump on you. Everybody fighting. Adults, everybody fighting. Now, you're like, oh, my God, hold up, stop. Really? That's what we going to do? Well, even though you know your child was wrong, don't matter. You can't talk to my child. Oh, my God, where are we at? So we have to understand we are now in a time where we need God more than we ever needed him. One, so that we can just avoid this stuff to start. Because sometimes if we just have some wisdom, we could probably avoid some of this. But if we can't avoid it, at least God is standing there and we know he's got our back. This has got to be about faith. And this is what I'm saying. People keep saying, oh, Pastor, we hear what you're saying. I know, but what I'm saying is, like yesterday in Atlanta, it jumped off. They down there marching down Peach Street. Peach Street, that's where I used to go when we, we had business meetings for Saks. We stay in the hotels down there. That's, that's like a, 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 that's a tourist street. They're down there protesting something about some environmentalist stuff, and it just jumps off. They start burning down buildings and other stuff, or burning, trying to, they broke up a couple windows and started burning a fire police, a fire car, a, a police car. So they got shut down, but then once they got to investigating, they found detonators, all kind of other stuff. We're living in a very dangerous times where we ain't no longer, you can say, oh, that's over there. <laughs> no, it ain't over there, it's everywhere. Shut down the interstate, the drag race just a little bit. Really? I mean, we used to do this. I'm not, look, we try to make the kids understand. Y'all, please, I know y'all think we don't know. 
you know, we snuck out of windows and did all that stuff and, 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 and drove cars. I used to steal my daddy's car. Every time they met, he would leave. I'd take it, get it out, drive it, burn rubber down the street. I did all of that stuff. But if the cops caught you, you was going to jail. Or if your parents caught you, you had real problems. But today we're going like, well, we need something to figure out what we're going to do here. Figure out what we're going to do? They shut down the whole interstate, and you're trying to figure out what we're going to do? Why would I even feel comfortable enough to do that? See, the idea is that that spirit is loose, and it's loose everywhere. We need to be God's friend, and we only become this by what? Exercising our faith in God, not by just talking about him, but by doing. See, our kids need to see us doing. They need to know we read our word. They need to know we pray. They need to know what we believe. They need to see us acting on the word of God. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and what they were, ba we were basically talking about, how we interact. I remember my father. My father was a military policeman. And the bottom line was, we were raised by a military policeman. Now, some people may say, oh, Poe pastor. No, no, Poe mean nothing. It was Poe when it was happening. Yes, I wish you would have been there. To help me in, poll you. But today, today I understand why he made me do things. I understand today why it was necessary for me to make my bed. I understand today why it was necessary for me to get up on Saturday, get out of the bed. That's what he would say. But daddy, we ain't got nothing to do. I don't care if you ain't got nothing to do but stand by your bed. Get out of it. I don't want you laying in it because the longer you lay in it, the more you're going to think that's where you belong. Get out of it. Yes, sir. What was that? Because you, you could say yes, sir, and don't even say that right. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, you're being sarcastic at that point. And it's like, what'd you say? Yes, sir. Try it one more time. Yes, sir. Put some enthusiasm in it, son. Yes, sir. Now, you know, and back in the back of your mind, you're like, see, why do I live here? Why is this my father? Why must I have this man in my life? I say it to myself. And my mother wasn't any better. You close the door, all that mumbling. What's that? You be back there. Look, make me come through the door here. That's what she would say. Well, just stay on your side of the door. Why I can't have this side of the door? And all that my room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? My room. You ain't got no room. You rooming. You don't have no room. You, you rooming. You know, you got to be told about yourself. You got to be told to understand. Sometimes they got to take you and let you see. I remember the first time my dad finally was out time to cut grass, and he, he bought this new lawnmower, brand new, and he started pushing it. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay. He was like, yeah, your turn. So I get on it and start pushing, and I'm like, okay. He's like, no, no, no. That's your lawnmower. That's y'all lawnmower now, me and my brother. Now, sometimes people can say, yeah, but you can drive your kids away. And it's true, my brother left home and didn't hardly ever want to come back. But today, he went to the Marine Corps. He was always, when he went to the Marine Corps, he was always first in everything he was doing. He was always on top of everything he was doing. Everywhere he would go, everywhere he went. And this is no lie. I remember when he retired or got out of the Marine Corps. He, won't, he said, I'm just going to go work for Wells Fargo and just, you know, kind of just try to be in the background. I just don't want no more. I can't take all this. Just going to be a security guard. That's what he said. The next thing I know, the boy was on his way to California for, with Whacking Hut Security, training as a manager. Why? When he went in, his shoes, you could look in them. They were so shiny. So he's a security guard, though, right? But he shows up looking like Mr. Security. Because that's just what had been built in him. That's the way he was trained. And it just never left. And they saw it. Oh, yeah, we want you to be a manager. And, and he couldn't resist it every time. I said, what are you doing up there? I thought you just wanted to be a security guard. Well, you know how it is. No, no, I really don't. But I guess I understand. He went, when he decided he was going to retire again, he went to Lowe's. I'm just going to drive a forklift. Y'all already know. He's like some kind of manager, you know, he's taken from store to store, and now he's all excited because he's on the A-team. That's the one of them low stores y'all go to and you can't stand them because you're like, you go on the shelf and everything is still in the crate. I don't know if y'all ever done that. I went to go get some rocks. They got this big crate. 
Because whoever put it up there didn't bother to open it, so the rest of us could get the rocks out. And I sent a picture to my brother. I said, look at this. And his response is, what store is that? You know, it wasn't like, wow, that's messed up. What store is it? And I was like, don't worry about it, because I didn't want to try to get nobody in trouble. I had just asked about the rocks. I know what's going to happen. Phone going to be ringing. The people going to be calling. And then the guy going to come back to, you the one calling. Uh, no, I just called my brother and told him. I just sent him a picture. But folks, this stuff travels over into your life, and it travels over. But it's a discipline that God even says. He said in one place, he says, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, you got to go after God. I mean, and God, ain't, he ain't far away and he can't be found. But God's like, look, I'm like this. I need you to push. Do you really want me like that? You know, do you say to yourself, you know what? I want God like I want to win the lotto. Some of these people, if they went after God like they go after them tickets, God would be living on their front door. I go in some of these places and I'll be like, please, can you, can you let me get my stuff first? Give me one of them uh, uh, squeechy bitches, uh, scratch-offs. Give me one of those scratchy Jones. And give me $5, one of them. And then they won't stand there and scratch it. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to move. That ain't how God intended you to get your money. Now, you might get some, but can you scratch over there and let me get my stuff? Mm-mm, then don't say it. Believe God. We got to understand that God says what? If we'll be diligent and seek him, God will reward us. You got to believe it. See, you got to say to yourself, you know what? I know it don't look like it. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't feel like it. But I know one thing. If God did what he said he would do throughout the scripture, that's why the Bible keeps saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that God framed the worlds with his word. So that the things that we see were made by things that do not appear. We know this. Then that means that whatever's in your life that's missing, God can frame it with his word. God can easily speak. So your children, he, his angels keep charge, the Bible says, over them in the ways they go. We pray asking him that. Father, in the name of Jesus, dispatch your angels to keep charge over my children in this crazy world. Watch over them and let them not be, because y'all know how I go now. Every time somebody get caught, it ain't your child. It's them other cheering. They was with the bad cheering. Yo, they ain't nobody ever said it. it wasn't, my mama said it. What you doing with them kids? Y'all let them play with your kids. <laughs> me, some of me. Don't let him play with your kids, because he'll corrupt them. I was a bad child. I get it, and I don't mind acknowledging it. That's why God used me a little bit, so I can explain it. I know what was going on. It was easy for us to say, let's go throw some eggs in somebody's house. Really? You want to egg somebody's house? I am very comfortable. This is why I said the other day, I'm at my house, and, and I'm in the backyard just doing some stuff, and I hear these kids back there behind my fence. They wave back over and I said, watch, just watch. I'm, I'm just doing something. So all of a sudden, I see a rock, bam, come across my fence. I stood up. I said, y'all must don't know about the police, do you? Mm-hmm. Somebody is going to jail today. No, please. No, 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 no. You want the rocks? That's how you want to act? Jail. Jail. Sir, we will never come back. <laughs> and they ain't been back. At least they back, they stay cross on the other side of the street. I knew it. I know. I already know. I knew what was going to happen. I said, something mysterious going to go on back there. Them kids can't be by themselves back there. Think. They see it. This is too inviting. But they didn't know I was back there because I was on my knees doing some stuff, and I just waited. And sure enough, here the rock come on. Bam! And somebody else threw another one and hit the fence. So I, and then I could hear him. So we, I guess they was about to throw the next one. When they got met with that. I understand. I know. I, we get it. We got to understand, though, that God. See, see, these people, whoever these people's parents were. Man, your kid, kid off the, going off to jail right now, you don't even know it. Because whatever you're doing, you haven't raised them with enough sense to know. At least make sure the man ain't back there. Before you throw rocks in his yard. Okay, I mean, you, you gotta be, I mean, if you gonna throw rocks, at least don't, can you do something? 
No, he's just on the wild running foolish. Where your mama? Where your daddy? See, we got to be prayerful and believe that God will, will, will open windows, open doors, and keep. We, my mama used to tell me, my dad, look, son, there ain't nothing you going to do that we not going to catch you either after you do it, before you do it, but we're going to catch you. So you might well stop. The rest of the kids may get away with stuff, but you're not. I remember going somewhere, egg in somebody's house. Well, you say, boy, you say that with such zeal. Egg in somebody's house. And I'm there with a kid. I, we throw the eggs, and the man walks out right when we're throwing them. And the reason that we got caught is because we spent too much time planning our escape. So we just went over there, threw them, and ran. No, we out there talking I'm going this way, you go that way, this what we going to do. Threw the egg, egg hit the man's house, man walked out. Got you, white. Now, why? Am I the one? And he looked at the other one and said, got you, you, you. As we walked around the corner, my mama was standing out there. Get your in the house. The other kids just went on because the man didn't know their daddy. But he had seen me at the Southern football games. That's how he knew who I was, right, because I'd be with my daddy, acting like a regular kid. But here you are out here, what? Got you white. I told you something, we're going to always get you, one way or the other. This is how God, if you instill that kind of fear in your children for real, and they understand it, God going to do it. And I'm telling you, God will do it. And you just need to point out every time it happens. Say, see, that's what I told you. I don't know why you thought you was going to be able to get away with that. And point it out to them. And get them to seeing the truth of God and how he keeps. But then that means also God is watching. And they can have confidence that when somebody starts messing with them, that they can say to themselves, you know what? I am going to be prayerful. I'm going to believe God, and I know that it's going to be all right. Now, I'm not saying how these all turn out and that they turn out necessarily a certain way. I remember one time we had a, a young lady went here, and she was in school, in high school. I won't say where. It's not important. And, you know, these kids were tormenting her, basically. Every day she go to school trying to be a Christian, trying to live right. You know, and they just tore me and tore me and tore me and then tell, told her one day, told a little young lady they was going to just knock her out next time they saw her. Now, of course, when I got the call, it was too late. But, and I don't necessarily think I would have handled it quite like that, but she said, well, Pastor, you know, um, I just had to make up my mind. They said they was going to get me. So I decided to get them first. So she just got up out of her chair, walked down the hall, walks into the classroom where Goliath was and knocked him out the chair. Sure did, just whacked her. And the girl fell out the chair and they, I won't say arrested her, but they took her and suspended her and all that. And then talking to her, I said, why would you do that? Because I was like, uh-uh, oh no. And I said, now see, that's kind of like, I'm, that's believing God. I get it. I appreciate that about you. Because, you know, you keep hearing about David and Goliath and all that, so I guess she was like, it may be a bunch of them, but I'm going to cock one of them first. So she exercised her faith. And sure enough, whatever ended up happening when it was over, they, they put her out of school, but she ended up in a whole other school, and she ended up without people. You know, none of that stuff was happening. That was not the best way to exercise your faith, I told her. But she was demonstrating the fact that I'm not going to be, I can't let y'all put fear in me like this. And, of course, she was timid about waiting. I believe had she just waited God out, they wouldn't have done her nothing. But I think her problem was, mm-mm, mm-mm, I ain't waiting well, she ain't run. She did what Peter did. See, Peter whipped his sword out, boom, and Jesus like, Peter, we don't fight like that. Jesus didn't turn and tear him apart. Now, Jesus said, look, this is my kingdom is not of this world. It's my kingdom is the world my servants would fight. We don't fight like that. And then he healed the guy's ear. But she demonstrated, actually, that what? You know what? If I go down, I'm going down, but I'm going to get the first swing. That's how you need to start living your life. I'm not saying don't go hit your balls. You ain't hear me say that. I'm not telling y'all that. I'm saying in your life, though, you got to say, you know what? They say they're going to take my house. Mm-mm. Before they take my house, everything I can do, put toward, do whatever I got, I'm going to do anything I have to do to make this happen. I'm going to expel every single inch of energy I got First in prayer, believe in God, and constantly going to him, just like the Bible says. The importune woman just kept going and saying, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. And the judge said, 
Oh, she's getting on my nerves. He said, even though I don't believe in her case at all, just so she stopped getting on my nerves. That's how you got to be doing with God. People say, but pastor, I thought faith, we believe God when we pray. Yeah, we do. He gave you that example, the importune, what do we call it? Yes, Jesus said if a person come and knock at your door at midnight, you will not get up and give it to them because they're your friend. But because it is late and you won't go back to bed, you will go answer the door and just get them away from there. Because especially if they keep, you're like, okay. Okay, maybe if I just pretend they'll go away. And they just keep knocking, keep knocking. Well, you can't sleep. This is the example Jesus used. We don't come to God without faith. Our coming back is not that we don't demonstrate faith. Our coming back is because we believe him. That's why we're coming back, God. That's why we're coming back. Let me ask you this about age. Think about it from this perspective, like with age. Think about what most people believe about age and what they tell you about age. And ask yourself the question, do you believe that? Because to the extent you believe certain things, you live in accordance with what you believe and certain actions you won't take. And because of that, you get the result of not taking those actions. So if you believe what they say, Everything ought to be hurting now, especially if you fit it. And if it don't hurt, that's because, you know, it's going back to you. And if you believe that, you start accepting it right then. Soon as it happens, well, there we go. I guess that's one of them. Uh, here come the other one. And they told me next, you know, my back will be in. And then the next time I see you, you walking around like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I looked the other day, since Laura and I went to dinner. Came in, and I got a cramp in my leg while I was driving. So I had to stick it out like this, right? I'm driving down the street. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, please, it hurts so bad. It hurt. Please get me to the house. It hurts so bad. Oh, it hurts so bad. And I was talking to her, it hurts so bad. I said, oh, Jesus, get me to the house. <laughs> so I get to the house. It hurts so bad, I was trying to stretch it. I couldn't, I couldn't walk on it. I literally got out the truck looking like they probably thought something was wrong with me when I got out. And my neighbors, I told I said, they over there. Yeah, that's the one be always cutting the grass. Look at him now. Boy, I was bent over like this, trying to stretch my cat uh, right here, my hamstring, because it kept pulling. I found myself walking to the house like this. <laughs> I said, them people probably going, what is going on over there? Sister done went on in the house. <laughs> she looked back at me at first. And then I think I stood up, so I think she thought I was all right now. Next day, I liked it. And then I said, okay, look, geez, if I could just get to the house, I'm going to be fine. And now, if somebody saw me, and they said, man, that dude used to be getting around, cutting his grass pretty good. And look at him now. You got to know that there's some things you got to say to yourself. And I was like, oh, no, geez, look, I got, uh, mm, mm, no, you're going to have to straighten up. You got to straighten up. We're going to sit out here all night if we got to. You got to straighten up. I, I can't do it. I can't come to church like this. What if y'all y'all have seen me up here Sunday like this? <laughs> Let's do our Bible confession. <laughs> and I, I'm looking up under my glasses like this. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what's wrong with pastor? Well, the Lord, you know, he, he's, you know, what? I mean, we got to understand something. I got to say to myself, oh, mm -mm -mm. there is a reason for that, and I need to figure out what it is. Oh, I know. That's right. You've been working all day, doing stuff, doing stuff. And how much water you drink? None. Oh, okay. You won't keep doing that? Not after this. It was like, oh, my God, no, I can't do this. I was so glad it didn't happen in the restaurant. You know, you're sitting there with people, oh! <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ow! Ow! And here come the people. Can we help you, sir? Can we this? And you know, just back up. The Lord let things occur in your life in moments. Just to help you think. Because as I was driving and I had it in the right leg. The right, not say it was actually left, but it was the right leg. Because this one, I was driving with it. And this one is just like, okay, now I'm driving, thinking the whole time. Okay, God, what is this about? See, that's how I think. I think the Bible is clear. People will ask the question all the time, and I'm going to close with this. They say, why do the righteous suffer? And they make it sound like some kind of way good people that ain't doing nothing wrong ever just suffer. 
When the Bible don't teach that, the Bible teaches don't suffer as an evildoer, because you sure can, being a busybody in other men, matter, murder, whatever. But then also sometimes discipline comes because we're not moving in the direction God wants us to be. And as we're moving in that direction and becoming his friend, this is how it happens. But if we're not, things happen. So when that happened, and it turned out it's the, it's the right leg for it to happen, but it hurts. But why, God? Why? Because you ain't drinking no water today. It's connected directly to something you are not doing. That's why you bent over out here looking crazy. It's not because God done decided he just won't cramp you up today and humble you, brother, because you walking a little too puffed up. <laughs> so we're going to put you down for a minute let you see what it feels like. That's not what's going on. God is your friend. God wants you to live in one place. God said we, he, will, he will bless you with long life. And you got to want to grab that promise and say, you know what, God? I accept that promise. And I'm going to do everything within my power to bring that about and believe you for the rest. Because there's some stuff that, guess what? You can't control. But there's a lot of things we can. All right? Every head bowed, every eye closed.